Aren't you glad that the Lord does restore our joy? Yes. Amen? Well, I'll tell you something. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes. And whatever the need is, again, today, I encourage you to open up your heart because the Lord has got a full supply for you today. Yes. Amen? Yes. As... Uh, my dear brother and sister, I don't know if you'd like to come and greet the people also. Rhonda, uh, come on up here. But we are so delighted to have them here today. And uh, they are true revivalists. They, uh, brother Richard just got back from Europe where he was like on a 10-night tour. 10 nights, 10 churches, 10 cities, 10 nights. 10 nights. 10 churches, 10 cities, 10 nights. And uh, just marvelous, marvelous, yeah. marvelous what the Spirit of God did over there. Yeah, it was in Czech Republic, uh, Slovakia, and uh, Austria. Yeah. And so he's, uh, they've been, not always Rhonda with, but, and she's a preaching machine too, by the way. She is. And she you're gonna, is. You're going to find You'll out about her this that week in just as well. a minute. But, uh, you know, we, we had, had known them from, uh, well, 30 years ago, over 30 years ago, and, you know, reconnected here this last year when they were down in Salem ministering, and we're just so blessed and so touched and just like, man, it was just like not missing a day. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, what is so wonderful is, is the way that God uses people differently, and they are genuine revivalists. And there's different people, of course, in the body of Christ that are used for different purposes. And we all should take our personal revival to other people. Amen. But these meetings this next week are types of saturation meetings where you come and they're connected and you get more of the presence and the power of God. And he starts peeling off layers and layers and layers of things in our life. And you start seeing breakthroughs in different areas. Well, they've done, I don't know, how, how long is the longest revival you've done? Seven I mean, weeks. Seven weeks. Two services a day, seven weeks. And so uh, uh, they've, they've been all over the world, and they just have a precious, precious ministry that the Lord Jesus, the head of the church, has blessed them with. And so, praise God, we are so delighted to have you here today. And so I encourage you to open up your hearts to them and to receive everything that God has for you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. I love you. Love you much. Praise God. It's going to be a great week. My my wife, I'm sure she has something to share with you, honey. You want to share with the people? Well, hallelujah. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. We're so excited this week. It's going to be awesome. You aren't going to want to miss any services because they just build, you know. And don't think that you're not getting something. You might be seeing being next to somebody that's just, you know, expressive and lavishly getting blessed. But just know as the word and the anointing is coming upon you that there's saturation meetings. And it, like Pastor Monty said, it just peels the labels. The labels. Yeah, the labels. (laughs) and layers and the things of this world they grow dim and then the holy ghost starts rising on the inside of you and you just start bubbling over and it's so wonderful a merry heart doeth good like a medicine you know and sometimes we just need to take our medicine and so there is no agenda this week it's holy ghost say holy ghost holy ghost and fire you know in psalms 104 he said he makes his ministers as flames of fire well hello that's you too come on you burn and we'll help you turn right 
So this one evangelist, he had this phone and the answer machine says, hello, rapture hotline, you burn, we'll help you turn. <laughs> but guess who's going to do the turning and the burning this week? Woo! <laughs> so you're going to leave not the same way that you came. You know, you saw a lot of places you'd leave the same way you came, but revival services, you don't leave the same way you came. Bound sickness or disease, but the power of God will be here every service, working in your hearts, both to will and to do his good pleasure in you. We love this couple. Awesome. Pastor Dawn and Monty. She was just telling me, um, she lived with my best friend in Bible school, and she just pulled out a picture that I was at her wedding shower. <laughs> so, you know, it's a big world. We've been all around the world. We've been to like 55 nations. I haven't been to quite as many as he has. And what he just did was amazing. 10 cities, 10. You know, you're, you're on a sleep deprivation, first of all. Six hour difference. And you're hopping in the car. The morning, you know, you hotel, morning, you pack all up. You head to the next place. You, you know, the uh, interpreter that was with him would take pictures and send them to me that he was getting rest and it was so hilarious because we do travel with our pillows and he travels with my pillow have you ever heard of that brand it's the little foams you know that's in the pillowcase and so here he is sleeping with and he had a plastic bag over it so the plastic bag was down and there was a pillowcase and he's like sleeping in the front seat of a car so just know that we you know we have a job to do and we must do it quickly amen so just know that if you you know he's going to set your tail on fire this week and it's going to be glorious so get on the phone call people you know and get them here now's the time amen so i'm not i'm going to give him most time i could just go on and on <laughs> but just know that that god's going to meet you right where you are today and that his pre he is no respecter of persons what he'll do for one he'll do for all so just get ready amen say i'm ready lift your hands up <laughs> thank you sweetheart Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Lord, we've come here this morning so hungry. We've come so thirsty for you. Lord, we haven't come seeking a touch from man. Lord, we've come hungry for you. Lord, we haven't come just to hear another sermon. Lord, we've come to have a face-to-face -face meeting with you this week. And Lord, I thank you. In the name that's above every name, I thank you for your presence, for your glory that fills this house, that every service, every night, the cloud of glory fills this house, that the fire falls upon each individual that walks through these doors, that your river flows, and may, that not, may there not be one that's on the bank watching, but may everybody jump in. Lord, you promised us. Lord, you said whoever gets in the river shall live. And that river flows from your throne, and I thank you, Father, in the name that's above every name, that your word becomes alive, the precious Holy Spirit, that you are here this morning, and you walk up and down each aisle, you come and you touch the hearts of those that are hungry and thirsty for you. And Father, you be glorified, and I thank you, Lord, that I, only, I hook up my spirit to the precious Holy Spirit, and only speak that which is from heaven and Lord we give you all the glory and we give you all the honor in the mighty mighty name of Jesus amen 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 well praise the Lord well it is an honor to be here with you and, and to be with your pastors and
And, um, you know, they came, they came down to our meeting and, and I think it was October of last year. You know, one of the things I started doing is I want pastors to come to be in our meetings because if they'll come and be in our meetings and still invite us, that tells me a lot about, the, about your pastors. And, uh, because one thing that we're not is we're not religious. I don't believe in religion. Matter of fact, religion comes from hell. The only thing religion does is bind people up, keeps you sick, and it keeps you poor. And when you try to get free from it, it'll make you feel guilty. Christianity is not a religion. And unfortunately, most in, in, in America, they, they see Christianity as another religion. But we're not another religion. We are, we are, listen, we are a relationship. We have a relationship with the creator of heaven and earth. And I'm here for one purpose. I, and I'll be honest with you. I'm not here for you to like me. I'm here for one purpose. I'm not running for any office. We're here for one purpose, and that's for you to have an encounter with God. That's for you to get in His presence, because everything you need is in His presence. And unfortunately, we are at a time in America to where many in the body of Christ, they've never seen a move of God. They've heard about it. They've heard their parents or grandparents talk about it, but they've never experienced a move of God themselves. We've come to a time and a place in America to where the church world knows a whole lot about hype. They know a whole lot about entertainment, but they know nothing about God's presence. Everything you need is in His presence. And my job is to get you in His presence. And I'll be honest with you, some of you might have to get mad first. Because I have found that over the years that sometimes, you know what, people have to get mad in order for God to get to the heart. Because it's all about the heart of an individual. Because it's my purpose and it's my goal to see that every single one of you on that day that when we stand before Him... That you're there. That's all that's important. And listen, that is all that's important. I'm not concerned about what you do in this life. I'm concerned about you being in the next life with us. Because that's all that matters. And yet, unfortunately, not only are we in a time to where the body of Christ knows little about the presence of God... We also at a time in America to where the last thing that the church world thinks about or is aware of is eternity. But one of the things you'll find is that when heaven comes into the house, one of the things you'll find that happens when the presence of God comes and fills this room, fills the church, and you get in His presence, one of the things that happens is that you will become so aware of eternity because it's all about eternity. Jesus said, don't store up for ourselves treasures on earth. But he said, store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. But isn't it amazing how everybody will spend all their time trying to make sure that they have enough in this life, but they don't even think about the next life. You know why? Because the next life's not important to them. It's all about this life. But the reality is not about this life. The only thing this life is about is to make sure that you fulfill the purpose of the kingdom, and that's get people saved, get people born again, cast out devils. Hello, come on, church. Because I'm going to tell you something right now. You, you, you cannot take your money with you. You can't take your possessions with you. You can't take your houses with you. And we've come to a time in America to where even in the church where I was telling with your past, talking with Pastor Monty earlier this week and, or yesterday that, you know, 75% of all pastors, this is the latest statistic that's out from a research group, 75% of all pastors today in America buy their sermons online. I was just looking at some of my notes here, and Pastor Monty asked me today, is that the sermon you bought? 
<laughs> no, I did not buy it. My, my wife did. So, but the thing is, is that <laughs> and that, and so we want, we want, we wonder why. Well, there's no moving of the Spirit of God because, listen, when, you find, when I find that 75% of pastors buy their sermons online, that tells me that three-quarters of the church world, three-quarters of the pastors today and ministers today are not on their face crying out before the Father, crying out to God. We've actually forgot what the term praying through means. You, you talk to modern Christians, they pray through. What's that mean? They don't even know what praying through means. And it's a sad that we've even lost it. But yet, well, there's a return that's taking place in the body of Christ. I said, there's a return that's taking place in the body of Christ. And our whole purpose and our whole mission must be that we see another great awakening take place in this nation. We have to. The only hope for America is another great awakening. The only hope for your kids and for your grandkids is another great awakening. Amen? We have to have it. It's not even an option. We have to have it. We had, one in the, we had one in the 1700s, we had one in the 1800s, and we're going to have another one. Listen, we're, we're right there. We are right there. We're going to have another one. No, I said, we're going to have another one. But before the world can experience another great awakening, the, the first, the church has to experience revival. Revival is not for the world. Revival is for the church. The world doesn't need revival. Amen? The, the world needs revival. <laughs> they don't need revival. Revival can only come to those who were once alive. Amen. But when the church is, when the church experiences a revival, then the world will experience an awakening. Why? Because the church gets off their blessed assurance and they do what they're called to do. Understand something. Listen to me very closely. The Great Commission is not, is not a suggestion. Listen, Jesus didn't suggest that we go into all the world. He commanded us to go into all the world. And here's the reality. One day we're going to stand before God and we're going to give an account of our life in this life. There's two judgments. There's the great white throne judgment, which if you're at that one, it's, you're, you're, you're damned for eternity. And I believe, God, that not one of you will be at that one, Amen. nor your family. Amen. Amen? But the judgment seat of Christ we'll all stand bef- before, we'll all stand at, and we're going to give an account of our life in this life. We're not going to give an account of how much money we made, but we are going to give an account of what we would do with the money we did make. Amen? Because the reality is, it's not ours, it's His. We're going to give an account of our advancement of His kingdom. We're going to give an account of everything He said to us in Scripture, we're going to give an account of. We're even going to give an account of our church service. Well, where's that in the Bible, Brother Richard? Well, it's in there. You just got to read it. Because didn't, didn't He say that we're not to forsake the gathering together of ourselves? When God tells us, don't forsake the gathering together of ourselves, guess what? When we stand before Him, we're going to give an account of it. See, we have to become aware of eternity. And I want you to turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles this morning to the book of Revelations. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll share a lot with you this week, uh, my wife and I. And, I, I'm, and I'll just be honest with you. I, I am not here. I, I, I don't do what I do because I wanted to do what I'm doing. I didn't even want to be a preacher. It wasn't my dream to be a preacher. And I was telling Pastor Monty yesterday, I, I didn't grow up in church. So when I went out to, to, to school 
we scored together at Rainbow, when I went out to Rainbow, I didn't have to learn, I didn't have to unlearn anything. Everything I was being taught, I was hearing for the first time. I didn't grow up in church. I grew up at the racetrack. My family drove race cars for a living. So my, my, my dream was to drive race cars. But something happened. I gave my life to the Lord when I was 17 years old. And the Lord spoke to me and, 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 and he said to me, he said, I want you to take my gospel to the nations of the world. I didn't even know what that meant. And then I began to do that. And for five years, I would begin to go. I came all over America. Matter of fact, I came up here in 1980, 1988 or 89. I came up here to Salem, Oregon. Well, actually, this is not Salem, but down south to Salem, Oregon. And, uh, but for five years, I'd go around the country having miracle crusades. Salem, Oregon was one of them. There's only one problem. I didn't have any miracles. I had a miracle ministry with no miracles. And it took me five years to realize there was a problem. <laughs> and I could begin to cry out to the Lord. And I said, Lord, I don't want to do this. I feel like a phony. I'm just getting up and I'm talking about your presence and never having it. I'm talking about the glory, your glory and don't even know what it is. I'm talking about miracles. And we don't have any miracles. I mean, I think the only miracle I had is that somebody come back the next night. That's it. I mean, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> no miracles, nothing. <laughs> nothing. I'll tell you the noise here right now. Whew. And uh, I, be, I began to cry out to the Lord. And I said, I said, Lord, can I get out of the ministry? I wasn't angry at the Lord at all. It's angry at the Lord. I was not angry at the Lord. And to be honest with you, I don't even understand people that say they are, because I've had people come to me all, matter of fact, not long ago, I had somebody come to me, well, I'm just a little disappointed with the Lord. I told him he's, in, I told him he's, he's, well, I better be nice. I'm in Oregon. No, of course I'm in Oregon. I don't have to be nice, do I? No. <laughs> oh, that's just a joke. Hallelujah. That's from, that's, that's Pastor Don told me that. And so the... <laughs> No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> and I said to him, I said, sir, you're, 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 I said, actually, you're an idiot, sir. You're, you're crazy. I said, God's not your problem. You're your problem. Amen. The problem, the problem is never with God. The problem is always us, with us. Amen. And I wasn't having any miracles. So the problem wasn't with God. The problem was with me. And I said, Lord, can I please get out of the ministry? I, I said, Lord, let me just go drive race cars. That was my dream. I ate it, slept it, drank it for 17 years of my life. And it was at the racetrack every week. Uh, I, I, I'll confess to you. Uh, this is a confessional th today. I like speed. <laughs> I like it a lot. <laughs> What's that? No, no, not the drug. No, no, no. My foot's the drug. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I said, look, I said, let that be my platform that you use me to tell people about you. And, and the Lord said, I've called you. I said, Lord, then you have to do something in me. And I heard the Lord say, seek me. And for the next year and a half, I began to seek him. And I, I'm, <laughs> I can't get into it now. But if I get into it now. I got to share something with you this morning that lay a foundation for this week. But my life changed. I had an encounter with God, and every <laughs> ever ever since that week, everywhere we've gone since 1990, revival's broken out. And um, 
because I had an encounter with God, and it changed my life. And ever since that week, everywhere we go, the fire falls. Everywhere we go, the glory of God comes. Everywhere we go, miracles happen. And uh, my wife and I, since 1990, since that encounter that I had with the Lord, we've done, from 1990 to to today, we've conducted 8,000 revivals since then. And I'm saying all that to say, it's not because of me, it's because of what God did. Bye-bye, phone. It's what God did. That happens regularly. And, uh, see, the phone couldn't even handle it. And um, so for 25 years, up until about a few years ago, for uh, well, I think, what is this, 2020, up until about 2014, I, I would do two meetings a day. And I stopped doing two meetings a day, but I would, for 25, six, seven years, I, my wife and I would do about 500 meetings a year. And uh, that's a lot of meetings. I, I, I live in church. And um, 55 nations of the world over 100 times. We've, and that's all because of what God did in me. I'm, I'm telling you, it's not me. And so I, I'm the most unlikely one here today that's even qualified. But you know, God doesn't look at our natural qualifications. That's what the world looks at. God doesn't look at our natural qualifications. God looks for one thing, those that draw nigh to Him. Because those that draw nigh to Him, He draws nigh to. He promised us that if we would seek Him, He promised us if we would seek Him, He would allow us to find Him. And I just began to seek the Lord for a year and a half. And, and as a result, an hour, a year and a half later, I had an encounter with the Lord. And I will share it, with it. I will share it this week. I can't share it now. If I share it now, then I won't be able to do anything. And all of you will be on the floor. That's why usually we always receive the offering at the very beginning. You know, it's so funny. You know, you, you, you've had, you've had a pastors, Ke- or pastors, evangelists. I called Kevin a pastor. I wonder if that's something to come. <laughs> but you all have had Kevin and Annie here. And um, I remember I was sharing with him one time. We played golf. And um, <clears throat> I was sharing with him. I can't tell you what happened to me because if I tell you what happened to me, we'll both be on the floor and, and those in this restaurant will be on the floor. And he's sitting there like rolling his eyes like, do you know who I am? Do you know who I've traveled with? And he just couldn't see it. Then he turned. Then I, I spoke one day at our church for Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, and, and, and he tuned in to watch. And he totally saw what was happening. And so I always receive an offering at the beginning. Now, it's going to be a little dangerous to this morning because I'm going to receive it at the end. But the reason I always do it at the very beginning, because if I wait to the end, usually I'll get nothing. Because everybody's on the floor. And I don't want to be a pickpocket. So, and so Kevin said, he said, I couldn't, I couldn't see what you were saying. But when he tuned in and saw it, he, 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 he could see what was happening. And I'm just saying all this to say this to you. What God does in me and God does through me, God can do for you and through you. God, doesn't, God does, is not using me the way He's using me because I'm called to be an evangelist. Because I know a lot of evangelists that have nothing. God's using me the way He uses me because I got hungry and I got desperate for Him and I began to cry out to Him. 
And if you get hungry and you get desperate for God and begin to cry out to Him and begin to seek Him with all your heart, God will allow you to have a face-to-face meeting with Him. God will allow you to find Him. God's not a man that He should lie. He's not a liar. When God said to us in Jeremiah 29, verse 13, when He said, Seek me, and you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart, God meant that if you seek Him, and you search for Him with all of your heart, you will find Him. Actually, one translation says this. Oh, there it is. On the, wow, I like that. There it is on the, on the screen. Wow, you're fat. You're good. I like that. God said, actually, one translation, one translation says, I will allow you to find me. God will allow you to find Him. And I just begin to seek Him, church. I just begin to seek Him. And God allowed me to find Him. And as a result of that, everything that happens, everything that's been happening for the, since 1990 in our life and our ministry is a direct result of getting hungry for God and calling on Him. But He promised us one thing in Jeremiah 33, 3. You know what God promised us? God said, call unto me. Call unto me. He didn't say, pastors, call unto me. He didn't say, prophets, call unto me. He didn't say evangelists call unto me or apostles call unto me. He said call unto me. But not only did he say call unto me, he said call unto me and I'm sure it's up there. I will answer you. And guess what? He's not just going to answer you but something else he said. I will show. That means he's going to display. He said I will show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I was watching Christian TV one time and I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, how come we're not, where's the signs and the wonders and the miracles? I said, where's the signs and wonders and the miracles in the churches? And the Lord spoke this scripture. I actually had to look it up. The Lord spoke this scripture to me because here's, here's what he said to me. He said, my people are not calling unto me. Do you know before anything leaves heaven, it has to first leave earth. Before your blessings can leave heaven, your seed has to first be sold here. Have you found Revelations 2? Okay, I, I must get into this. Revelations chapter, let's start with chapter 1. Revelations chapter 1. Have you found it? If you haven't found it by now, forget about it. Because I'm sure it'll be up on the screen because my brother's back there fast. Look at that, there it is already. <laughs> Don't be faster than me, all right? I'm the preacher. <laughs> yeah, I, I do like speed when it's me. That's <laughs> <Not> somebody else. <laughs> well, I can tell we're going to have a good time this week. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh. Revelations chapter 1. The Lord here gives us this incredible description of himself. John was on the Isle of Patmos. John was, <clears throat> John refused. If you study, if you begin to study out the book of Revelation, you begin to study about the seven churches. One of the things you'll find, you know, there was ten Caesars or ten emperors. You know, Nero was the first. Domitian was the second. And each one, each one was more wicked than the other. So you can imagine how the tenth one was. But here Domitian was the second one. John's on the Isle of Patmos because he would not, he would not deny Christ as his Lord and Savior, but nor would he, nor would he um, 
bow to Domitian and say that Domitian is God because Domitian made a decree that, that he's God and that his son was the son of God. Matter of fact, even on the coins, they'd have the picture of, of, of his son. And, and, and it's not, it's, and he wasn't in, he was not, he was not on the Isle of Patmos because he, he was someone that worshiped God because the reality is in that day, there were thousands of religions. But, but John would not decree that Domitian was God. He would not decree that his son was the son of God. And therefore, he's put on the Isle of Patmos. They tried to boil him. You know, history tells us they tried to boil him, but he wouldn't boil. You know, out, 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 of every, every, out of every disciple, obviously except for Judas, but you know, out of every disciple, every single one of them were martyrs. Every one of them were martyrs. I mean, and you just look at, church, you look at church history. I mean, the church is, is founded on the blood of martyrs, ladies and gentlemen. Our, our brothers and sisters right now in other parts of the world are giving their life for the gospel of Christ. They're giving their life because the, they, they will not deny Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something right now. If we do not have another great awakening in this nation, it will come to America. People, people say, I don't believe that. Well, you know what? You need to get your head out of the sand because the reality is this. It's three years ago in, in the Bible Belt, in a city where there's mega churches and mega Bible schools in every corner, in the city of Houston, Texas, three years ago, the mayor of Houston, who's a lesbian, the mayor of Houston, she sent, out a, she sent out a letter to all pastors in Houston demanding that they send their sermons to her so she can approve them. That was three years ago. So don't say that it can't happen to America because the very fact is it can happen in America and it is happening in America. But guess what? We are the church. We are the glorious church of the living God. And guess what? We make a difference. We cannot be stopped. Listen to me. We cannot be stopped. But we can be stopped if we sit in the chair and do nothing. If we sit in the pew and do nothing. They'll listen, understand, we, we, are, we are not to just sit and sit around and do nothing. We are to go. Listen, we, every single one of us are to go. And I promise you, the moment you start going, you'll start seeing miracles. The moment you start going and the moment you start getting bold, you'll start seeing signs and wonders and miracles. But yet, here we are in America, and if we do not have another great awakening in this nation... Matter of fact, I just, I, just, I just saw something when I was just in Slovakia. I was just reading something that Russia is more Christian-friendly today than America. Who would ever have thought? And let me tell you something. It's all because of the church. It's all the church's fault. No, it's all the church's fault. No, listen, it's all the church's fault. Because we have the power to stop it. That's why even when the Antichrist comes, listen, the, 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 listen, do you understand the Antichrist, people talk about the Antichrist. Who gives a rip about the Antichrist? He can't do nothing when it comes to the church. He can't stop the church. Do you realize that? He has no authority, no power over the church. And he cannot stop the church. Do you know every miracle that happened in the book of Acts, there were 40 of them. 39 of them happened in the marketplace. 39 of them happened in the marketplace.
And so every single disciple was a martyr, every one of them. They tried to boil John, but he wouldn't boil. So now John's on the Isle of Patmos. And even on the Isle of Patmos, the Bible says here that John, let's look, read this, start in verse 10, in verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 10. Listen to what John says. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. I Actually, I like the Amplified Bible. The Amplified Bible says, I was wrapped in the Spirit. I like it. He said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a great voice like a trumpet, saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, and the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book, and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergama, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Verse 12, I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and when I saw, and when I turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks was one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to, to the feet. He gives us this glorious description of our Lord. And with a, a golden sash wrapped around the chest, the hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like, whew, like, uh, like a flame of fire. His feet, were like fine brass, <clears throat> as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. His appearance was like the sun shining brightly. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though I were dead. That means he fell out. He, could, he couldn't stand in the presence of, of Jesus. He fell out. And then the Lord said to him, he said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives, though I was dead. Look, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of, of hell and of death. Now, we get this glorious description of Jesus. You know, I've had people come. It's amazing to me, people who... who who've come to me in the, over the meetings and tell me that Jesus appeared to them, so forth and so on. And I'll be honest with you, most of them I don't believe. Do I believe that Jesus appears to people? Oh, most definitely, I believe it. But let me tell you something. If Jesus appeared to you, I mean, John, John could not even stand in his presence. John fell out. Ever, ever, listen, John looked in his eyes. His eyes were flames of fire. He was blinded for the glory of God and he couldn't even stand. He fell out. And I've had people want to come and tell me, you know, Jesus appeared to me and they talk, they talk so flippant about it and I don't believe them. But I promise you this, if the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, if Jesus appeared to you, when you begin to tell us about that meeting, we would all know that he appeared to you because you could feel it. There's a holiness about it. There's a reverence about it. Matter of fact, a good friend of mine, the Lord appeared to, came into his bedroom. He could, for, for weeks, he couldn't even talk about it. Because there, there's a holy, there's, you won't be, you won't be talking, well, you know, the Lord appeared to me. No, 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 no. There's no flippancy about it. When the King of Kings and the Lord of Lies, when the Lord of Lords leaves eternity and comes, comes into time. And that's what he did here with John. And he gave John a message to give to the seven churches. Now, these churches, and I can't, I'm not going to get into all of them today. I won't even finish the first one. But 
out of all these churches, the seven churches, even though they are not in existence today, you see the rubble of them, but yet there's an element in all seven churches in the church today. And you look at all the, you look at the seven churches. One of them, one of them was a dead church. How many dead churches you know of? I could take you all across America and you'll, listen, and, and they're dead. There's no life. People leave through the door sick and they leave sick. It shouldn't be that way. Because we've come to a time to where it's about people, but the reality is these meetings aren't about people. These meetings are all about Him. This church is not here to accommodate people. This church is here to accommodate the Holy Ghost. This church is here to accommodate the presence of God. Because when the Holy Ghost is here, when the presence of God is here, whoever walks through these doors will leave different. When He's in this house, when the power of God is present, people come through these doors with cancer ravaged throughout their whole body, but they'll leave totally free. But when He's not here, they leave the same way they've come. And when you begin to focus on what people want instead of what God wants, you have what people want. Because understand something, whenever God leaves, He has to be replaced with something. A number of years ago, I was in Texas, a little city in Texas, Corpus Christi actually. I was in Corpus Christi, Texas, and we went there, and, 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 and the pastor, you know, I, I told the pastor, I said, look, look here's what's going to happen. I said, you know, same thing, that was, I was probably in the late 90s, and I said to the pastor, same thing I say pastors today, I said, look, when I come... I said, first off, I mean, no, no pressure on the church. I don't, I, don't need a, I don't need money from the church. I don't need a certain amount of money from the church. I don't need you to pay for my hotel. I don't need you to pay for my rental car. I don't need you to pay for my plane. I don't need you to pay for my meals. I'll pay for everything. We just receive our own offering. Because I don't want, the, I don't, I don't want any pressure on the church. I don't, want any, I don't want the pastors to feel any pressure that they got to do anything. No, no, no. It's, that's, let, let, me, let me and the Father have that, that conversation. And, and, I said, and, and, I, and I said this to him, I said, and don't put a time on me. Meaning, don't tell me that the service starts at, you know, 10 o'clock and i got to be done at 1130. And, I said, and he said, oh, we won't do that. I said, now, Pastor, if, if I get there and you tell me to be done at 1130, I'll purposely go to about 1231 just because you told me. <laughs> so I'm, I said, everything up front. And the very first Sunday morning, the fire of God fell. There's probably, there's 500 people there. The fire of God hit the, actually I had to tell him on the mic, I said, look, if your people are going to run, run the same direction. Because <laughs> 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 they were running every way, you know. <laughs> run the same direction. And the fire of God fell in the place. Sunday night, the same thing, the fire of God. I mean, you would think it was after the third week of revival. I mean, really, I mean, it was amazing. the very first Sunday. Monday morning, the same thing. After, after the service Monday, on Monday morning, the pastor comes to me and he says, he says, Brother Richard, he says, we're going to have to shut these meetings down on Wednesday. I said, well, that wasn't our agreement. He said, yeah, I know, but we need to shut them down on Wednesday. So I said, I said, Pastor, I said, look, I, I've been doing this for a long time. It's not my first rodeo. You know, when you're in Texas, talk like a Texan. I said, it's not my... <laughs> 
I said, this is not my first rodeo. What's he? I didn't say, what are they saying? Because it's never they. It's always one or two. I said, what's he or she saying? And I said, I bet he or she's got money, don't they? And he, and he said to me, he said, oh, Brother Richard, I knew it was coming just in his voice. He said, he said I have to be honest with you. He said, you've lit more fires he put more fires in one day than I've seen in the whole lifetime of my ministry. Well, that's what we do. We light fires. <laughs> and uh, he said to me, and I said, and I said to him, I said, I said, it's, it's, it's not they. I said, I, I know how this works. It's, it's never the multitudes. It's always one or two. I said, what's he or she saying? Well, he said, well, Brother Richard, I had the lady come to my office this morning. I said, oh, you did? He said, yeah, I had a lady come to my office. She's been in our church from... For, um, for many years. I said, she's wealthy, isn't she? He says, well, she, she's not doing too bad. And uh, I come find out she's very wealthy. And, um, and uh, she demanded that I shut the meetings down. I said, oh, she did. He said, she demanded that I shut the meetings down, so we must probably end on Wednesday. I said, pastor, I said, you know what? Here's the reality. If you want to end on Wednesday, we will end on Wednesday. But you're going to have to deal with the consequences. I said, because here's the reality. If you grieve the Holy Ghost, you might not get him back. And I said, let me tell you what's going to happen. Since you want to end on Wednesday, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to yield to this woman. The woman's full of, she's full of the devil. She's, she's very religious. I don't have to see her. Just her actions tell me. She's very religious. She's full of the devil. And I said, let me tell you what's going to happen. If you yield to her and shut these meetings down, you're going to be controlled by this. You won't be able to do anything. I said, matter of fact, and here's what I said to him. I said, matter of fact, when you got to go pee, you're going to have to ask her. <laughs> no, no, because that was, that's the whole purpose of religion. Because religion wants to do one thing. It wants to control you. And along with that control comes bondage and, and misery and hell. And I said, if, you want to, if, you, if that's how you want to be, then that's fine. And I said, well, let's, let's, let's go have a bite to eat. So we go out, we went out to eat, and in the pre- and I'm just the process of talking. It's like he woke up. You ever seen that commercial, that, 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 that what is that, that, uh, uh, not per- that cologne commercial, the high karate, you know, where the guy puts it on and slaps himself? You know? <laughs> We're sitting having lunch, and he's like, slapped himself, said, my God, brother, what am I thinking? I said, I know what's thinking. I said, that cloud of religion got on you. He said, what am I thinking? He said, my God. He said, we ain't ending these meetings. And actually, we ended up going another two weeks. And, um, but, I, but I said to him, I said, here's the reality. If you grieve the Holy Ghost, you might not get him back. And when the Holy Ghost leaves, he'll have to be replaced with something. And that something's always religion. And religion comes in many forms. Listen, religion also comes in the form of entertainment. Because I have found usually when the anointing's not present, smoke machines are. Oh, did I say that? Well, I did. Because it has to be, because the presence of God has to be replaced with something. And so, but here's the reality. The reality is, is the anointing of God draws people. I'm driving down the road with a, with, a, with a pastor, a friend of mine, who God's done incredible things with him. And, um, and he said to me, he said, he said, Brother Richard, this just happened a couple years ago. 
We're driving down the road, and he, wants to, he said, I'm going to take you to show you where I'm to put my church. I said, what do you mean put your church? Your church is fine. Where's that? His church was inner, inner city church. I said, your church is fine. Where's that? Well, what do you want to? He said, well, I'm going to take it out here. He said, that's where, that's where all the, he wanted to put it out there because that's where all the money in this city is going. That's the wealthy area. I said, are you crazy? He said, yeah, I want to move my church out there. I said, look, I said, we've been friends for a long time. I'm on your board. Can I just speak, can I just speak frank with you? He said, sure. I said, you're wrong. Your whole motives are wrong. Everything about what you're doing is wrong. I said, because now you're focusing on money. <clears throat> and let me just share something with you. He said, Brother Richard, share with me. I said, most religious people are stingy. You're not going to get anything from them anyway. Because it's the reality is it's not the, it's not the wealthy people that fund the gospel. It's the widow woman. And I said, why? Because I said, your bills are paid here. Not only your bills are paid, you've got thousands of dollars in the bank. You've you you, you, you got about three to 400 people that's getting saved every week. Why do you want to move up there? I said, here's the, what you have to understand, Pastor David. I said, money will not bring the people. A nice, big, beautiful building is not going to bring the people. It's the presence of God that brings the people. Because people are looking for life. And when people can find life, they'll drive for hours. John Osteen proved that before. You know John Osteen, the church, not, not, not the church they have now, but the church that, is, that, that Joel took over? He built that church in the worst part of Houston. He built it in the worst part of Houston. But it was, he had over 10,000 people that attended every Sunday. They drove from all over to come to the worst part of the city of Houston to attend church. Why? Where there's life, people will come where there's life. It's the anointing of God that draws people. I said, Pastor David, stop focusing on the money and focus on the anointing. Stop focusing on the money and start focusing on God. Amen? Because it's all about His presence. It's all about His presence. Everything's about His presence. What good, what good, listen to me, what good is it to have a nice, big, brand new, beautiful, and, you, and listen, <coughs> Abundant Life Church, your building's coming, by the way. No, no, it's going it's to be more than enough. Let me tell you something. When you look at it, the only thing you're going to be able to do is, oh my God, he's so big. Trust me. Because that's how God is. But listen to me. What good is it to have some nice, big, beautiful building? What good is it to have the latest gadgets? To have the pastor dressed up as a million dollars? And he should dress up like a million dollars. But what good is it to have all that? But people leave sick. People leave lost. Hello? People leave tormented. People are crying out. People, I promise you, there's people in the neighborhood you live in. They're crying out. God, if you're real, please show me. I can promise you there's people in the neighborhood you live in last night with a gun to their head wanting to take their life. If it was the churches that were going to make the difference, then, then why, why we have that? No, 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 understand that. I'm not talking about the church made with brick and mortar. I'm talking about you. We are the church. Yes. And our purpose in this life 
It's not about building our kingdom. Our purpose in this life is advancing the kingdom of God. Our purpose in this life is to be about the Father's business. Amen. Amen. And so here's John on the Isle of Patmos. He has an encounter with, think about it, God himself came and appeared to John. And he says, I have a message for the seven churches. And he says, I want you to take this message, the church of Ephesus, which was the loveless church. You had, you had the church of Smyrna, which was struggling church. You had the church of Laodicea, which was lukewarm church, which is the church of America today. You had the church of Philadelphia, which is a faithful church. Do you know out of all the seven churches, five of them were rebuked? The only church that wasn't rebuked was the, uh, the struggling church and the faithful church. Every one of them was, rejerked, was, was rebuked. Every one of them. Every one of them. And you see the very first church that he dresses. The very first church is the church of Ephesus. Now look what he says here. He says in Revelation chapter 2, look what he says here, the very first church. He says... To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, He who holds the seven stars in his right hand, he who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, say these things. I know your works, your labor, and your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles, but are not, and have found them to be liars. Now, think about this church for a moment. This is the church of Ephesus. Do you realize the church of Ephesus? Timothy was the pastor of the church of Ephesus. Think about it. This is the church of Ephesus. They had over 22,000 members. Paul started the church. Jesus' mother Mary was a member of the church. I mean, it was a mega church. Think about it. Think about this now. Sixty years after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. You have this church, 22,000 people or more. They say anywhere from 20 to plus. And the Lord Jesus comes to John and he says, I have a message for this church. And so as he begins to deliver the message that the Lord Notice what the Lord does. The first thing the Lord begins to do, the Lord begins to let them know that He knows what they're about, what they're doing, what they like, what they don't like. He, he, he really congratulates them. He gives them a congratulations because He's letting them know, hey, I see your labor. Because He says here, he's, listen what He says here. He lets them know. He, really, he reiterates to them, I know you. I know what you're doing. Listen what He says. I know thy works. I know all the things that you're doing for me. I know your works. And you study out this church, the church of Ephesus. Listen, they were radical folks. I mean, they were radical. When, I mean, when, when the revival first hit and they, they all got saved, I mean, they, they, they had a big, they burned their books on witchcraft and all, this, all their books, they burned them. Matter of fact, Paul got persecuted. I mean, Paul got persecuted many times over this revival that he had in Ephesus because what happened when revival hit Ephesus, because it was, they, most, many of the people made 
a lot of money just selling religious trinkets. No, no, they, they, they made a lot of money selling their religious cr- trinkets. But when revival came, because what happens? What, because people begin to have an encounter with God. People begin to experience God. And they realize that the fulfillment was not in religion. The fulfillment was in, in the relationship with Jesus. And so they stopped buying all of it. And then the, and the merchants start, started losing money. And guess what happened? Then Paul began to get persecuted and got beaten over it. Because really the bottom line, that's why Jesus said, you cannot serve God and money. But unfortunately, even in the church world today, when it comes to the advancement of the kingdom of God, here's most church people. They bow. They bow at the altar of money. Oh, They bow at the altar of money. That's why, unfortunately, it's the widow woman that, that advances the kingdom of God. Jesus said, you can't serve both. You cannot serve God and money. Now, let me say this. Because I don't want you to leave here thinking that I'm against blessing. I believe in the blessing of the Lord. Matter of fact, I got a tape series back there. Um, I got an eight track series back there on. (laughs) So real to real. And (laughs) actually, (laughs) yeah, really. Actually, the millennials today, they don't even know what cassettes are. They don't know what cassettes are. I was talking to my my son in law just the other day and I mentioned cassette. He's like, what? Cassette, what's that? I said, oh, she's a millennial. Actually, the reality is I got CDs back there, but really CDs are they're outdated now. <laughs> they really are outdated. I mean, the new cars don't even have CDs players in them anymore. <laughs> they're outdated. <laughs> I still got some back there. But I got two series back there. One on, one, I, went through the, I went through the Word of God. And I got all the scriptures... On the subject of healing. And, and I, I put it in a, on a tape. And so I went into the studio. And I just, I just read all the scriptures. No, no preaching whatsoever. I just read scriptures on, on, on the subject of healing. And somebody playing with the keyboard behind me. And then I went in and had my wife go in and read all the scriptures. Because I also went through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And got all the scriptures on the subject of blessing. <laughs> Do you know it only took me one CD to do all the scriptures on healing. It took me over seven to do all the scriptures on prosperity. Do you know when God says something over and over and over and over and over and over and over, there's a reason? Do you know there's over 500 scriptures on the subject of healing? There's over 500 scriptures on the subject of prayer. I mean, that's a lot of scriptures, right? There's over 500 scriptures on healing. So obviously, God, ha- God has stated His, His will. God has stated His his purpose and his will and his plan when it comes to the subject of divine healing. He has stated his case very clearly when it comes to prayer. So 500 scriptures on prayer. But do you realize there's over 2,000 scriptures on the subject of prosperity? Do you know you cannot find one scripture in here? Do you know you cannot find one scripture in the word of God that rebukes wealth? You'll find scriptures that, that rebuke people having, I mean, be, wealth being their God and wealth being their money. I mean, being, being their everything. Yet we've got this mindset that's come into the church and it came years ago. This, this poverty mindset's gotten into the church. And the whole purpose of it is to keep the church from advancing God's kingdom. Understand the source that's behind it all. 
I mean, because here's the reality. The system that we're, that, that, that we're in is a Luciferian system. The Bible says he's the God of this world. Isn't that what the Bible says? Well, what is the areas he controls? You know what's the two main areas that Satan controls? He controls the financial realm and he controls the political realm. And what's the two areas that the church has told to stay out of? The political realm and the financial realm. And unfortunately, many, especially our forefathers, they listened. And we're not just, as, as the believers, as born-again believers, that are not, I'm not just talking about being born-again and believing. I'm talking about born-again believers baptized in the fire of the Holy Ghost. And there is a difference. There's a big difference. We are to infiltrate every area of society, every area. But unfortunately, the world wants to put us over in the corner and just eat from the crumbs that fall from the table. And many have. I'm not. And I refuse to. Because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And it belongs to you and I. I said it belongs to you and I. Amen. And do not, let, and do not allow people that are bound up with, with demonic beliefs. Control how you believe and how you think and how you live. And unfortunately people do. Do not allow people of lesser faith to determine your destiny. No, Because trust me. They'll do it. And they'll try to do it. Well, what are you, Brother Richard? You one of those wealth and health preachers? I mean, what a stupid statement. So I had somebody say to me, what are you, one of those wealth and health preachers? You know what I said? I said, it's a whole lot better than poverty and sickness, isn't it? <laughs> it's a whole lot better than poverty and sickness. Hello? Exactly right. Pastor said, if you want to be miserable, put somebody else in charge of your happiness. Oh, yeah. Pastor, Pastor, I work alone. Thank you very much. That's my meeting. <laughs> I'm teasing. I love your pastor. But it's an amazing, but that's what people do. And they, they, they'll, they'll, listen. And here's the real, and, and the reality is, and I promise you, you probably know people that well, what are those prosperity people? Well, what what a, what a asinine statement, because there's no such thing as the prosperity gospel. It's the gospel. Amen. It's the gospel. I can't help it that people have gotten excess in error. Just because somebody gets an excess, don't mean you have to get an excess. Just because somebody gets an excess don't mean that you have to stop believing. Hello? And even those that don't believe in prosperity, I can prove to you that, all, that every one of them is a hypocrite. Because if they really didn't believe in prosperity, my, I, ask, I ask every one of them one question. You don't believe in prosperity. Okay. Have you ever asked God to make you poor? Because if you really don't believe in prosperity, then sell your house, sell your car, and go live under some bridge. And I'll bring you a double cheese, Big Mac. Maybe some Chick-fil-A. No, no, no. no, no see, but see, but what's, I'm only bringing this out because this is what's gotten into the church. Because see, when the presence of God goes, religion comes in. 
And when religion comes in, it comes in with one thing, bondage. Bondage in every area of your life. Bondage in your body with sickness and disease. Bondage in your finances. Bondage in your marriage. Bondage in your witness. Bondage, bondage, bondage. I mean, listen, that's what religion means. Return to bondage. And so... But as, as, as here as the Lord addresses the seven churches here, the Lord begins to let them know. He says, look, I want you to know, I know your works. He says, not only do I know your works, he says, I know your labor. I, listen, I know you're not lazy. I know you're on the worship team. I know you're one of the ushers. I know every time there's a, a church work day, you're there. Every time there's a prayer meeting, you're there. Every Listen, I know your works. I know your labor. He said, I know your patience. The Lord's pointing out to the church here. He's letting them know, I know who you are. I know what you're about. I know what you do. And he's congratulating them. He says, I know your patience. He says, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. Meaning they, 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 they revolted. They did not put up with evil. Amen. Can't say that for some in the church today. But they did not put up with evil. Not only did not put up with evil, he says, and thou hast tried them which say thou are apostles and are not and hast found them liars. That's a very bold statement. He's letting them know. I know that you've pointed out to others that people who declared to be apostles who are not really apostles or prophets who are not really prophets and you found them out to be liars. I mean, so when you listen to what the Lord's saying to this church, I mean, this mega church, I mean, this is the model church. I mean, at all these church growth conferences, this is the church that will be propped up. But really, you see here that, that really the Lord, he's, he's using the sandwich technique. You know what the sandwich technique is? My daughter used to take, she's, she's married now, and uh, she's, she's been married, what, two years? And I'm believing for grandbabies. Jesus' name quickly. Hallelujah. I want grand, I want, I told her, I told her the other day, I said, I want grandbabies. Hurry up. <laughs> I said, I want two boys. <laughs> Daddy. No, I said, I want two boys. I'm believing for two boys. Dad. No, I want two boys. I want your name on Smith and Wesson. I'm coming. <laughs> I do. I do. That's what I said to her. <laughs> I did. I'm serious. <laughs> and. <laughs> <laughs> but this was the this this is the this this would be the church growth conference church. Think everything's right, but see the Lord looks more on the inward than the outward. So he uses the sandwich technique in which my daughter. My daughter was a champion in martial arts. And uh, matter of fact, when she was 12, she's right second in the nation just for a certain weapon. And uh, so, but this school she went to, they, they taught her about communication. And they taught her the sandwich technique, which is 
the first thing you do, the first slice of bread is you, you encourage the people. Then after you encourage them, then you tell them what, you, what the real purpose of what you don't like. You correct them. Then the next piece of bread is you encourage them again. So the Lord uses the sandwich technique here because he's letting the church of Ephesus know all the things they're doing right. But then he tells them the main reason for the letter. Listen to what he says here. Oh, we'll keep on reading. He says, not, not only has he found them be liars and has borne and has patience. Talks about that twice. And for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Meaning they've suffered things for his name. And they have not stopped. They've not fainted. But look at verse 4. Nevertheless, uh-oh. Nevertheless, I have, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Think about it. Here's the, here is the model church doing everything right. Here's the church that everybody wants to be like. But the Lord's not too pleased with them. Because, see, their works were right, but their heart was not. He said, you're doing everything right. But even though you're doing everything right, I've got something against you. I don't know about you, Abundant Life Family Church. I don't want the Lord to have anything against me. And you know what it was that he had against them? It wasn't, had nothing to do with their outward works they were doing. It had, listen, it had everything to do, listen to me really closely. It had everything to do with their love toward him. What did Matthew tell us in Matthew 21? You must love the Lord your God. What? With all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. It was not a works question with the Lord. It was a love issue. See, but if you was to ask the church of Ephesus, do you love the Lord? They'd look at you like, what are you talking about? Of course we love the Lord. But if you just ask the Lord, do they love him? He'd say, yeah, they love me, but just not first. Yeah, they love me, but I'm not first. Yeah, they love me, but I'm not first in their life. They love me, but they love other things more. And the Lord was letting them know, hey, I like the fact of all the things and all your works that you're doing, and you're doing them right. I like that. But we need to have a revival here because there's some things that have to change because I have to be number one. I must be number one. I have to be, I must be the love of your life. See, listen to me. God... Is more listen. God's more concerned about your love for Him more than He's concerned about the things you do for Him. God's concerned. I'll say it again. God's concerned. He's more concerned with your love toward Him more than He's concerned with the things that you do for Him. And this is really what revival is. People say to me all the time, "Well, what's a revivalist?" This is what revival is right here. Revival, listen, revival, and it's, it's amazing. I've read some of the books about revival. And to be perfectly frank with you, well, actually, I'll just be Richard. Listen, to be Richard with you, <laughs> the books that I have scummed, uh, went through when it comes to revival, they are all books that are written. <laughs> they're books that, because revival is the end subject. 
And because it's the subject of the day, let's write a book about it so we can make some money. And unfortunately, people come not from an experience side. They come from the mental side because it's the end thing to do. So they read a book about revival. So let's write a book about revival. But all the books about revival, the majority of them, they're written by people who read a book about revival, that that person read a book about revival, and that person read a book about revival. They're not coming from, from the standpoint of experience. Because every one of them focus, when it comes to revival, every one of them focus on the manifestations. Every one of them focus on the manifestations. And it's not about the manifestations. Even though the manifestations happen. And some of you this week could be carried out of this house. Because there are manifestations that come with revival. But that is not the main issue. That's not the main ingredient. The main ingredient to revival is God's people falling in love with Jesus all over again. To where he is number one. He's your first love. He's everything. You wake up in the morning thinking about him. Throughout your day you think about him. You go to sleep thinking about him. You talk about him. Listen, it's very easy to tell what somebody's in love with. Because when you're in love with something, you talk about it all the time. Don't tell me that you're in love with the Lord, but you never talk about him. Because then I'm going to have to question your love. Because when you're in love with something, you talk about it nonstop. Just like when some of you met your wife or you met your husband. When you first met, when you first laid eyes on them. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. When you first made eyes, you know, hello, I, I see somebody here. Yeah, yeah, I see him looking Yeah. <laughs> When you first laid eyes on your wife, I mean, man, you, you, you forgot about everything else around you. Listen, it went blurry. And it was all about her. And you did everything you could. You're going to make sure you're going to get her. You'd leave her notes on the car. You'd buy her flyers. Hello. Your friends even persecuted you. Well, you used to hang around with us. Never said she come in your life. We don't ever see you no more. <laughs> Hello. Then you married her because you was in love with her. But you know what? Everybody knew they didn't have to question your love. You know why? Because every time you got around them, you talked about her. Everything, your whole world was about her or him. Hello, come on. I mean, I even had a friend of mine tell me, okay, look, I've heard enough of Rhonda. I'm done with Rhonda. <laughs> no, no, seriously. Why? Because you talk about him all the time. You did. I'm sure, I'm sure when, I mean, Pastor, Pastor Monty, I mean, when it came to Pastor Don, it was just like, you know, everything was <laughs> Don, Don, Don. Okay, Monty, are we going to have another day about Don? <laughs> Can we just play ball? <laughs> Can we just watch the movie? <laughs> because even watching the movie, every, some scene, something triggers Don. No, it's Rhonda. No, no, why? But what I'm saying, because you was in love. And when you're in love, you talk about that what you're in love with all the time. Then, then, then you get married. 
Then you get married. You're sitting there watching, watching the ball game, watching the Seahawks. Don't know why, but you're sitting there watching them. <laughs> or the Beavers, watching the Oregon Beavers or whoever. But next thing you know, your love walks in. She sits down beside you. What do you do? You take the remote control, turn off the game. And you give her your time. Why? Because you're in love. But then, time goes on. You're still in love. But they're not first anymore. Then the years go by. She comes in. You're watching the ball game. She sits down beside you, wants to talk. You take the button, turn the volume up. There needs to be a revival. Hello. All the ladies, listen, see, I'm, I'm, I'm a smart evangelist. Get the women liking you. <laughs> no, I'm seeing all the women shaking their heads. There's only one man here shaking his head. No, but that's what happens. Why, but what's happened? No, see, it's not that you're not in love. You're still in love. They're just not first. That's what the Lord is saying. And the, listen, and the Lord is jealous. Listen, He wants to be number one in your life. But you know, because He's so good, God is so good. He's so good. Do you know, He doesn't, do you, do you know that God does not hate the world? Contrary to what you hear from some preachers, God does not hate the world. The Bible says God so loved it. God loves the world. And you know what? Not, God doesn't have anything against any, anybody in here. Not one of us. Nothing. Here's the reality. Every single one of us in here. Listen, trust me. We all have flaws. I have many of them. We all have flaws. But you know what? God's goodness is greater than all of our mistakes. God's goodness is far surpassing than every one of your mistakes. And every single one of us in here, God only... Has been good to us all the days of our life. God's only been good to us. He's only been good to us. When we wouldn't even be good to ourselves, He's been good to us. Amen? That's just who He is. And the Lord didn't leave, and, and here's the goodness of God the Lord didn't leave the church of Ephesus here rebuked. He did not leave them rebuke, but he tells them what to do. Look what he said here in, in verse 5. He said, remember. If you, listen, if you're called to be evangelist, I'm going to give you a good evangelistic sermon right now. The three R's. He says here, remember therefore from whence thou hast fallen. Number two, and repent and do the first works or else I will come <clears throat> unto you quickly and will remove the candlestick from out of his place. He said, number one, he said, here's the three R's. Number one, remember. Number two, repent. Number three, return. He says, remember. Remember what? Remember what? Remember how it was when you first got saved. I don't know about you. When I first got saved, 
I, listen, I got so radically saved. I mean, when I got saved, I got, listen, I didn't just have one of those, you know, hallelujah, salvations. No, when I got saved, I got radically saved. No, I mean, I was radically saved. I got saved because, as a matter of fact, you got some of those tracks back there in the back. I called them trick tracks, and uh, but they're the chick tracks. I got saved by reading one of those. Because I had, a, I had a guy in my school tell me every day for three months that I was going to hell. Coming to, but he'd do it in a good way, you know. I wasn't condemning. He's my good friend. We're still very good friends to this day. He'd come up to me and he said, Ricky, man, how you doing, man? You accepted Jesus yet? You know, if you don't, you're going to hell. And he smiled. <laughs> <laughs> he smiled. I, t- I actually told him to go to hell a couple of times. <laughs> no, I did. But every day, every day he'd come up to me. Man, Ricky, man, you accepted Jesus yet? And he smiled. Man, if you don't, you know you're going to hell. And he smiled. I would be out. I'd be out with my buddies, because we all, you know, we all, we'd always look for a race. Because I had, I mean, we all had very fast cars. <laughs> Matter of fact, my car was never beaten. I raced the Hemi's and I raced the Chargers. I you name it, I raced it. Out of 1967 Chevelle Supersport, everything on it was high performance. Matter of fact, my nickname was Little Red Rick and his Big Red Rod, because I had a red. That was my nickname, and. Uh, because my car was never beaten. <clears throat> and uh, we'd be in the, this, we all hung out this bowling alley parking lot and uh, looking for a race. And one day, I, one night, I'm in a cloud. <laughs> Wasn't the glory one. <laughs> and all of a sudden, poof, here comes Sean's face. And he singles me out. I mean, there's 10 of us there or more. And he singles me out. He says, no, Ricky, man, you know you shouldn't be doing that. No, you shouldn't be doing that. You accepted Jesus yet? You know, if you don't, you're going to hell. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy, leave me alone, man. Just leave me alone. Jeez. <laughs> and then I remember I, then I went, we came into the class, and, <laughs> and I think my teachers got rid of me just because they didn't want to see me no more. Because I walk into this class, it's the same class I had for three years. And <laughs> I had this one class for three years. <laughs> Man, I'm confessing everything this morning. And, uh, and so I come into this class because you change. You know how you change semesters. And I come to this class, and I'm headed right to the back. And my t- teacher, I didn't know who the teacher was, but the teacher knew who I was. And, and as I came in the class, headed to the back, the teacher <clears throat> says, No, Ricky Moore, no, 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 no. Come to the front, right here. I got, a, I got a, right here a spot for you right in the front. I heard you was going to be in my class, and I'm putting you right in the front. I won't keep my eyes on you, boy. That's what he said to me. I'm like, oh, gosh. I ain't coming to this one anymore. As soon as I was there, five minutes later, here comes the go-to-hell preacher. (laughs) And the teacher set him right beside me. And he comes, and he scoots in like this. Remember, in the same class? He said, man, you accepted Jesus yet? You know, you don't. You're going to hell. And he hands me this track. I think it was like, it was, I don't know if you have it back there, but it was like Holy Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, do you know, I would, I would, I would go to, <laughs> I would go to school. And for many of the weeks, I would go just for that one class. I wouldn't go to the others, but I would go for that one class. 
because I want to read those cartoons. And I wasn't even, I, I, I wasn't even paying attention to nothing the teacher was saying. I'm reading these cartoons. I kept, you came with those cartoons? And I'm reading these cartoons. And all of a sudden, I remember the day. I knew I was going to hell. Because every one of those tracks, somewhere in that track, it shows somebody falling off a cliff into hell. Every one of them. And I knew I was going to hell. And I looked over at Sean. I said, I don't want to go to hell. And he goes like this. (laughs) And he smiles. And he says, come to church with me. It was a Thursday night. I said, come to church with you. What I wear? I've never been to church. He said, come to church with me. All right, I'll go to church with you. I don't want to go to hell. Sean, I don't want to go to hell. He said, come to church with me. Okay, okay, okay. I'll go to church with you. Come. You have to pick me up because my car's broke down. I don't have no gas money because my car wouldn't pass a gas station. It pulled in every one. <laughs> Fast car. And he came to pick me up. I remember the whole day. What's your name? Doug. Doug. The whole day, Doug, I'm conscious of hell. The whole day. I'm so aware of eternity. I can't explain it. It's just a revelation. My very first, I had a revelation before I even got saved. I had a revelation I'm going to hell. I had such a revelation of eternity. And I, thought, and I knew I was lost. I knew I was lost and I knew I was going to hell. And I didn't want to go to hell. And I remember, I, remember, I mean, it was just, just like the enemy. I mean, that day when I got home, I mean, I had phone call after phone call after phone call about a party. I'm not, and my one, my one friend, Fritz, my best friend at the time was named Fritz. And I remember Fritz called me. He said, man, you know, Vazalis is having this party, man. I said, nah. I said, Fritz, man, I, I'm going to go to church tonight. And for the next 15 minutes, he cussed. and said, what? I said, no. I said, come to, ch- come to church with me. No, I ain't going to blankety blank, 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 blank church. I said, man, you shouldn't talk like that. I, I, I was even aware then. Well, you go to church then. I said, oh, I am. And I, and I remember they come to pick me up. But I'm so aware of eternity. And I remember as we're driving down, there's this road called Billtown Road we all used to race on out in the country. I'm from Kentucky. Out in the country of Kentucky, there's this one road we all used to race on. It's like five miles, straight road. <clears throat> and I remember we're going down this road, and, and, and the other guy's name that's driving. <clears throat> I mean, honestly, we're doing like 90 miles an hour down this road. And I remember, I'm so aware of eternity, I said, look, John, slow the car down. And he looked at me like, you? Telling me to slow down? I said, look, dude, I said, you guys are saved. And I said, and if you wreck this car and crash, you guys are going to heaven, and I'm going to hell. I said, let me go to church and get saved first, and then we'll race on the way home. <laughs> no, I said, I said, we'll race on the way home. Now I'm saved. I'll be fine if we crash in. I just don't want to go to hell. <laughs> it's amazing how your mind thinks, you know. And, and I remember I walked into this church, and, and, and it was a big, it's a big semi of God church. I mean, and I walk in, and I, I, I'll be honest with you, fear hit me. I remember I'm saying to myself, oh, where am I at? Because I walk in and they had the drums and the guitars and the bass players and, the, and everything. The people up and down just jumping up and down like this. I'm like, where am I at? And fear hit me. And so Sean said, no, come on, go up in the balcony. I remember I'm sitting up in the balcony. I mean, my knees are fellowshipping with one another. I'm looking at the people. 
And I'm like, where am I? Actually, I had the thought. I, I, I still, I guess it's been what? Night does 1982, and I still remember the thought, Pastor Monty. I remember I had the thought, because it was around the Jim Jones time. I remember I had the thought. I said to myself, if they pass the juice, I'm out of here. <laughs> I remember thinking that. I remember thinking that. <laughs> they passed the juice. <laughs> and I'm standing there, but I'm scared. I don't know nothing. I, I'm, I'm literally, I'm scared. I just want, and I kept saying, Sean, when I get saved, I just want to get saved. I don't want to go to hell. Just, he said, no, no, I'll tell you. I just said, I just don't want to go to hell. He said, no, it's, it's going to be fine. And I'm, I'm standing there, I'm looking around. Colonel Sanders, you know Kentucky Fried Chicken? He was a member of, he was a member of my church. And I remember looking around, and I'm thinking, what are these people? And this lady beside me, what the heck was that? And the lady on this side, the whole church, I'm like, oh my God, where am I at? Jesus, Jesus. And I said, I said, Sean, where's these foreigners from? What country are these people from? He said, man, he said, man, that's tongues. I said, what's tongues? He said, oh, don't worry, you're going to get it. I'm like, let me get safer. Bring me along slowly, okay? Let me get safe first. And I remember when it was time for the altar call, Sean said, now go. I jumped up, I ran. I ran down through the balcony, I ran downstairs, and I ran and gave my life to Jesus. I was on a Thursday night. I gave my life to Jesus. And I remember walking out of the church that Thursday night. I remember walking out. I was, everything about me was changed. Everything about me was changed. I remember I walked out and I'm like, tree. Look at the trees. No, but see, I was dead, but now I'm alive. And I'm like, tree. Sean, look at the tree. Look at those beautiful trees. Sean, listen to the birds. The birds are chirping. I can hear the birds. Sean, listen to the frogs. Because the church was by a big pond. Listen to the frogs. I said, Sean, look at the grass. No, I'm serious. Look at the grass. That's, that's the first time I've mentioned the word grass and didn't have the thought of smoking it. I'm like, look at... Look at the grass, Sean. See, I was dead. See, that's why Christianity, that's what sets Christianity apart from every other religion. Because when people, when people <clears throat> become a Muslim, their nature doesn't change. They stay damned. When a person receives Buddha and becomes a Buddhist, their nature doesn't change. They're still damned. But the moment an individual makes Jesus the Lord of their life, Your whole nature changes. And you get the life of God. And you get His nature. And you get His life. And you get His ability. You get everything that He is. See, only Christians can say, my God lives in me. No other religion can say that. No other religion can say, my God lives in me. No other, no other person can say, I have the nature of my Father in me. That's why the Bible says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And I walked out of that church that night. Everything was so alive to me. That was a Thursday night. 
The next morning was on Friday, I'm telling people at my school about Jesus. That Friday night after school, me and Sean went to a prayer meeting, and I got filled with the Holy Ghost. The next morning was Saturday. We're in, we're in the vehicle driving to the streets to tell people about Jesus. I got saved on Thursday night, filled with the Holy Ghost on Friday night, and telling people about Jesus on Saturday night. And nothing's changed. The only thing that's changed is that I've had more encounters with God. And what I have learned throughout the, the years is this. Every single one of you can have an encounter with God, but it comes down to this one thing. How hungry are you? Don't be like most people in the church. Well, you know, if the Lord wants it, the Lord, then the Lord would just do it. You know, if the Lord wants me to have it, it's just going to happen. Do you, do you know many people live their life that way? And it it's so unscriptural. Listen, understand something. <clears throat> you didn't get saved because you believed that way. You wasn't just sitting around in your lazy boy and all of a sudden <laughs> salvation comes. No, you had to do something to get saved. Understand something. God desires that we press into Him. God desires you because every single one of you God has something for you. And don't allow the enemy to come, because here's what the enemy always says. Well, yeah, but you know what you've done in your life. That means absolutely nothing. Yeah, you don't know, you don't know what the person beside you've done. That means absolutely nothing. Oh, the enemy, well, you know, you're, just, you know, you're old. You know. That means absolutely nothing. Smith Wigglesworth didn't even end their ministry until he was 56 years old. He was only in the ministry 31 years. He raised 26 people from the dead. Hello, it's 26 more than you and I've raised. I mean, that's saying something. No, but see, God comes to those who come after him. And so that's what the Lord said here. He said, remember, remember how it was when you first got saved. When I first got saved, I told everybody about Jesus. The kids in my school thought I was having flashbacks because I I did too many drugs. No, honestly, they thought I was having flashbacks. Oh, Richard's going to come back. No, no, I ain't come back since. No, 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 because I had an encounter with God. I had an encounter with God. And he said this. He said, look, he said, I have to be number one. I have to be number one in your life. And understand, when God's number one, everything else is first. Everything else is first. Meaning this, when God's number one, you quickly obey him. Listen, when God's number one, you want to obey him. When God's number one, you want to give. When God's number one, you want to tell others. When God's number one, why? Because he's your passion. And when he sees your passion and when he's your love, you tell everybody about him. And listen, let me just say this to you. God can care less what's second in his life as long as he's first. Because when he's first, everything else is going to fall right in place. It's going to be in order and he's going to be pleased. Amen? But he says this. He says, I love you so much. He says, but... Return to me. He says, I've got something against you right now because I'm not first. Do you know the thing? Listen, God didn't say to them, i got something against you because you're arrogant. Now, it's wrong to be arrogant, but that God, that's not what he's saying. He says, I don't have something against you because you're prideful. He, he says, I don't have something against you because you're in sin. He said, I have something against you. Because I'm not your first love. I'm not number one. But he says to him, remember. How many of you, let me just ask you a question as I close. Let me just ask you a question. How many of you, when you first got saved, you you could testify that the same thing happened to you that happened to me? Everything you became alive. 
How many of you, the first thing you did when you got saved, you became radical. You start telling people about Jesus. Yeah, yeah. See, that's what happened with them. But now that then, then, then they got so busy in the work of God. Hello, listen to me. They got so busy in the work of God. And do you know what can happen? I find it happens often with many people. Just tell them I'm busy. Do you know what, I, what happens with many people? Here's what happens with many people. They get more in love with the work of God than the God of the work. You can even find that there's people, they get more in love with the Word of God than the God of the Word. He has to be first. Now listen, He has to be first. And all He needs to simply says, remember. Remember what? Remember how it was when you first got saved. And and, And know that you're not there, so here's what you do. Repent that you've gotten where you are now. And the third thing, return. Come back to me. I have to be number one. And the reason I'm sharing this with you this morning because there's a false sense of what revival is. Revival is all about Jesus being your passion and being your first love. Yes, is there manifestations that happen? Yes, but that's not the focus. The focus is Jesus. He's everything. And I have to tell you, I can tell you right now, I cannot tell you the testimonies of people that's come during the meetings that the, when they, they press in, You've got to press into the things of God. Listen, you have to press in, and I'm, I'm closing. You have to press into the things of God. Don't tell God you're hungry. Show God you're hungry. It's one thing to say, Lord, I'm hungry. It's another thing to come after Him. No, it's another thing to come after Him. And let me tell you what. Your flesh, your flesh don't let it dictate and don't let it control because your flesh is going to go, I worked hard, and there's a service tonight. You know, they're going to be here all week. I can miss a night. Well, that might, be, that might be the night the angel comes from heaven for something that God has for you. Don't miss anything. Don't miss one night. Because the flesh will say, oh, just stay home and feed me. No, 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 no. Understand, <clears throat> in order to go to another level, something's required of you. And God, God, doesn't, God does not come to us in our comfort. There's always a sacrifice. Listen to me. There's always a sacrifice that has to take place. That's why he said, if you seek me, you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. And when you seek with him with all your heart, it's because, number one, he's your passion. When Jesus is not your passion, then seeking him is not something that's that important. But that's what revival is all about. Because there's some things that God there's some things that God wants to do and God can't do them because He's not first. And I'm gonna I, I, I have to say this. And then, I mean it's still early. It's only twelve fifteen after twelve. It's still early. But listen, I have to say this. The eternal awareness, the awareness of eternity that takes place in our life, has to be our gauge. We always have, listen, don't lose that sense of eternity. And unfortunately, many people have lost the sense of eternity. I was associate pastor. My wife and I, we associate pastors for two years and then the Lord delivered us. And we are on the road now and... um, 
We left there in 90. And uh, <clears throat> for two years, this I was the pastor, associate pastor. And this guy come up to me and he said, Brother Richard, he says, we're going to have to leave the church. I said, why are you leaving the church for? He said, no, 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 we love the church. He said, but <clears throat> I've got a promotion in my job and I have to leave and go to another state. I said, is there a, is there a church there? He said, no, there's, there's not a church there, but I'm a strong Christian. Well, first red flag. I said, I said to him, don't leave. Well, he gets upset with me. And the reality is I have found over the years is that he knew he shouldn't leave, but he's, money, is, money is his God. And he wants the money because he's going to make double the money. And he said all the right things. I'm going to be able to get my wife her dream home and give, get the boat and have everything, all the things for my kids. And he's saying all the things that, were, that sounded good, but it was just grieved me because that's never your motive ever. And if that's your motive, Jesus is not first in your life. Because when he's first, we'll know it by the way you talk. Because things will be said like, you know, the Lord spoke to me. And I feel led. Hello. It won't be centered around more money. Money's never your, money is never your goal. Listen to me. Money is never your God. Ever. Money is never what you make the decision based on. Never. And I said to him, don't leave. He said, but I'm going to be able to buy my wife her dream home. I'm going to make double the money, and I'm going to get bonuses. And he says all these I said, don't leave. There's no church there. But I'm a strong Christian. I said, don't leave. And he gets mad at me. And it's amazing how people, he knew he shouldn't leave. He's just trying to find a preacher that would just, you know, agree with him. Well, he left. Left mad. You know what happened? Three years later, he's divorced. 16-year-old daughter is pregnant, and his 14-year-old son is in a drug rehabilitation center. And you know why? Because it was about money. Understand, as believers, as Christians, everything we do, listen to me very closely. Listen to me, please. Everything we do, we do it in the light of eternity. Every time you go to do what you're about to do, ask yourself the question, when I do what I'm about ready to do, how's this going to affect my eternity? How's this going to affect my kids' eternity? Because here's the reality. Don't limit God because God, God can bless you where you are. Hello? Don't limit. God can bless you where you are. God can give you a raise where you are, even a better. That, come on, listen to me. Uh, he has to be first. This man put money first. You know what? And it cost him his marriage and it cost him his kids because he put money first because he didn't make a decision based on the light of eternity. He didn't say to myself, okay, I'm going to make double the money, but there's no church where I'm going and my kids won't be able to be in church. Hello? Everything you do, do it in the light of eternity. That's why when people come, well, I just feel led to leave the church. No, 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 no. We never do anything but by one thing, thus saith the Lord. Hello, thus saith the Lord. Hello, thus saith the Lord. Hello, thus saith the Lord. Everything we do, we do it in the light of eternity. Everything we do, that's how, that's, that's, that's our governor. Listen to me, that's our governor. The sense of eternity is the governor of our life. 
And everything we do, we do with eternity in mind. Listen to me, church. This is not the hour to play around anymore. Everything we do, we do with, with the sense of eternity. Every time we sow seed, we do it with the sense of eternity. Everything we do, we do with the sense of eternity. When we go to get married, we do it with the sense of eternity. Everything we do based on eternity. Everything. And I will never forget my mentor who, who was your pastor's. That's one thing that, most well, of many things that Dr. Kenneth E. Hagan said. But when I worked with the Prayer and Healing Center, he would always, he would always come over and talk to us privately and but one thing he always used to say, I never heard him say it from the pulpit, but he said it to us when we was in a little group. But he always used to say, every decision you make, make it in the light of eternity. Everything. Amen. Listen, this week, I promise you is a week that years from now, you're going to look back and say, this is the week that ever changed. everything in my life changed. This is the week that increase came. This is the week that I had an encounter with God. This is the week that breakthrough came. This is the week I was healed. This is the week that my friends, my family got saved. This is the week that my life changed. Because this ain't, listen, this, we're, not here, we're not here to play church. We're here to have church. Amen? Hallelujah. I sense the anointing of God here in a strong, my hands have been burned like fire the whole night. I mean, the whole, the whole, this whole service. But that happened to me. When I had an encounter with God, my whole body burned like fire. And I minister with a tangible anointing. When I lay hands on people, I know when the anointing goes into people. I know when people fall down because the anointing went in them. And I know when people fall down because they want my hand off their head. <laughs> I, because I, no, I, feel, no, I, I feel it. I feel it. The anointing of God, it's not, it's not something that, it's so mystical. And, you know, and I hear people say, well, you know what, you do, if the anointing, if you don't feel it, just by faith, forget that by faith stuff. Listen, we're faith people. But here's the reality. Listen, sometimes that, that, that can, here's the reality. The reality is, is that you can operate and flow with the tangible anointing of God. Because the anointing of God is tangible. The things of God are tangible. Listen to me. The things of God are tangible. Jesus, listen to me. Jesus knew when the anointing of God went out of him. I remember he was walking with Jairus. He had his back to the woman with the issue of blood, and she came up behind and touched him. Jesus didn't touch her. She touched him. But when she touched him, he felt the anointing of God leave him. And he turns around and says, who touched me? The disciples said, man, can we see them all? Look at these people. You got, more. You got thousands of people. To, how do we know who touched you? But Jesus said, somebody touched me. I felt virtue. I felt the power. I felt the anointing leave me. He operated by the tangible anointing. Because the anointing of God is tangible. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's pray. I want to pray right now. Let's just everybody just... I want you to bow your heads. Close your eyes. Father, I thank you for every single... Man and every woman and every boy and every girl that's in this, in this church, in this house. Father, I thank you that you brought them, each one of them here tonight. They're not here by accident. That you brought them here tonight. You brought them here. And Lord, I thank you that every single one leaves here with a touch from heaven. Lord, I thank you that not one person leaves sick, not one person leaves bound up, but every individual here today leaves this place free, leaves this place healed. Lord, I thank you that this is a week, Lord. In the 
Lord, this, this is a week that you invade the lives of those that sit here this morning with your presence. Lord, I thank you that this is a week that the fire of heaven falls. Lord, those people here, they've never been baptized with the fire of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I thank you that you baptize them in the fire of the Holy Ghost. For John said that when you come, that you will baptize us in the fire. You'll baptize us in the fire. You'll baptize us with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you right now for your... I tell you, the presence of the Lord is here right now. But I have three invitations for you this morning. And if you're here this morning... And if you're here and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you heard me talk about I was aware of eternity. I was aware that I was going to hell. I, I was aware that the fact that I was lost and without Jesus. And if you're here this morning, you say, Brother Richard, I don't, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. Then I'm going to pray with you this morning. And if you're here this morning, you say, Brother Richard, I, I used to be on fire for God, but I've grown cold. For whatever reason, you grow cold. For what, maybe, maybe listen, maybe you went through, had a, a divorce in your life. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you said something to somebody you shouldn't have said, or whatever reason. But you've grown cold. But today you want to rededicate your life to the Lord. I'm going to pray with you. And the last invitation I have is this. Perhaps you're here this morning. You say, Brother Richard, I, I, I attend church. But the devil's been lying to me, telling me I'm not saved. The greatest thing in life, the greatest thing in life is knowing that when you close your eyes for the last time, you know where you're going. Brother Richard, I, I want to rededicate my life. I want to make sure. Perhaps there's some things in your life that you're not proud of, that's been dogging you and you want to get free from. For whatever reason, Today you're going to leave this place and you're going to know that you know that you know. If that's you on any one of those three invitations to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to rededicate your life or to make sure, if that's you, just raise your hand right now. See, Brother Richard, pray for me. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. Anybody else? Raise your hand. Just raise your hand up high. Thank you. Yes, raise your hand up high. Anybody else? Raise your hand. Brother Richard, pray for me. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. Anybody else? Pray for me. Brother Richard, pray for me. I want to rededicate my life. Yes, ma'am. I see your hand in the back. Anybody else? Pray for me. I want to rededicate my life. I want to give him my life. I want to make sure. Just raise your hand up high so I can see it all over this auditorium. Just raise your hand. Thank you. Th yes, thank you. If you raise your hand, you don't have to raise it anymore. Anybody else? Just raise your hand right now. Raise your hand up high. Forget about who you've come with. Forget about who invited you. Forget about who you're sitting beside. Today, this is between you and the Father. Anybody else? Raise your hand. All over this auditorium, Abundant Life Family Church, raise your hand right now in the name of Jesus. Anybody else? All right. Now, I want everybody to look at me. Is there anybody here you did not raise your hand on any one of those three invitations to rededicate your life, to give him your life, or to make sure you did not raise your hand? You wanted to raise your hand. You know you should have raised your hand, but you didn't. Raise your hand. Anybody else here? All right. I want to do just like I said. Those of you, if you raised your hand, I want you to stand up. I want to do just like I said. Stand, stand up. Come stand up. Hallelujah. Now, those of you stand, I want you to come up here to the front. Hallelujah. Just, just come to the front. 
Just come stand right here. What's your name? Pam. You'll never be the same ever again. You'll never be the same. And what's your name? Anne. Anne. Never the same. What's your name? Peggy. Never the same. Now I know people probably say, well, what are they up there for? Well, it's none of your business. <laughs> but here's the reality. Who cares? You know, the thing that I've learned is that, you know, people think, well, what are, what's people going to think? You know what? People don't even think. No, really, people don't think. But you know what? And I tell you, the hand of God's on you. And you're going to leave this and you're never going to be the same again. I see the anointing of God working on you. Pam, never the same. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, you come, don't, don't fall yet. <laughs> never the same. Never the same. Never the same. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel that same thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel you. Yeah, I feel you, sister. I feel you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I see. I see. Pam, I, I seen the anointing come on you earlier, just sitting on the seat. But there's some things that I, I just had to do first. You're gonna. You're never gonna be the same. So, congregation, I want you to stretch your hands out to these three. And those, I want you just to pray this with me. And congregation, you pray with us. Just lift your hand. Pray this with me. Say this with me. Say, Dear God in heaven, I come to you today to give you my life. Pray with me. I believe you sent your son Jesus. He gave his life for me. And I come to you now. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your blood. And I receive you now. I receive forgiveness now. And I commit myself to you. I'll serve you all the days of my life. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for washing me in your blood. Thank you that all is well in my heart with you. Thank you. Now, Father, in the, and I'm going to pray for you. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for these three that stand here today. Lord, I thank you on that day that when we stand before you, that these three will be standing there. Father, in the name of, there's that anointing right now. The moment I lay my hand on you, the power of God is going to go right into you. And you'll never be the same. Jesus, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fire of the... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. Shoo. Huh. Ooh, I felt that. My mama came back and hit me. Shoo, marava. Samrabo, costa. Lift your hands, Peggy. Jeez, never the same. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, never the same. That's the fire of God on you. Yeah, see, that's what happened to me. That's what happened to me. Is 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 this your wife okay <laughs> i learned to ask a long time ago <laughs> i was in indiana and i said to this guy i said sir is this your wife he, he goes no it's my son i'm like <laughs> I, I learned to ask a long time ago <laughs> never the same never the same never the same never the same now this is why i have see now 
See, this is why I always do the offering first. But I'll tell you, the power of God's here. This little girl right here. I say little girl. I don't know. How old are you? 29? Well, you're your little girl, Maz. Come here. Come here. They're fine. Leave them there. Come. What's your name, hon? Huh? Carmela? I tell you, that's the power of God on you. You'll never be the same. What's happening? Do you felt this before? Yeah, no. You know, it's the power of God. It's the Holy Ghost. Just lift your hands. Close your eyes. The moment I lay my hands upon you, the power of God's going to go right in you. Never, Carmela, never the same. In the name of Jesus. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That's it. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That's it. Oh yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's it. The fire of the Holy Ghost. Oh yeah. Jesus. Let's take it. Oh yeah. Never the same. Never the same. Is this is this your daughter? Come come up here with her. Hallelujah. Come on. Because you know what? <laughs> the same thing's on you. <laughs> Do you go to this church? Yes. How long have you been coming? Oh, about three years. Three years? So this is your daughter? Yes. Do you, do you listen? And this is your mom? Yes, it's okay to cry. That's the power of God on you. Do you know how you stay close all the days of your life? Do you want to stay close to your daughter? Do you want to stay close to your mom? Do you know how you do it? You got to get drunk together. And the Holy Ghost. But I saw the power of God come on you both. Just lift your hands. Never the same. Never the same. Never the same. The fire of the... Oh, yeah, that's it. Take it, take it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Never. Bye-bye. Never the same. Never the same. Yeah. Jesus. Oh, yeah. Never the same. Take it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Never the same. 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 Come here. Come here. Yes, yes, you come here. Ha, ha, ha. I know, listen, I, I forget about, I, I just don't worry about it right now. <laughs> What's your name? Wanda. Listen, never the same, Wanda. Father, I thank you. Never the same. In the name of Jesus. Oh, yeah. The fire of the Holy Ghost. Oh, yeah. Shaka. Oh, yeah. In the name. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In the name. In the name. Never the same. Field. Oh, yeah. Never the same. Never. Oh, yeah. That's it, sister. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Go ahead. Yeah, let, let that bubble out of your belly. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Go ahead. Drunk. Yeah, that's it. Come on, mama. Yeah, yeah, there you go, mama. Oh, I see teeth. We got a breakthrough. Ha <laughs> ha. Never the same. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Come here. Yes, yes you come here. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, yeah. Come, come right here. I set you right here. What's your name? Jan, lift your hands, Jan. Father, I thank you. Never the same. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, yeah. No, oh, yeah. Fire. Never the same. Never the same. Never the same. Never the Let her down. Never the same. <laughs> oh, yeah. Never the same. Never the same. Come here, ma'am. Huh? Come here. What's your name? What's your name? I'm sorry. There's no more corporate space for you, sir. That's all right. Next church will have plenty. Of... <laughs> What's your name? 
Mary Jo. That's a good Southern name. Are you, where are you from? You was born in California. Lift your hands. Father, I thank you for Mary Jo. Lord, Jesus, never the same. That anointing filled, oh, 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 saturates you from your head to the soles of your feet, Mary Jo. Never the same. Never the same. That's it, Wanda. Have, have some more, Wanda. Now, I know I got my hands on Mary Jo, but I'm looking at Wanda. Have some more, Wanda. You too, Mary Jo. Huh? Oh, oh, yeah. Take it, take it, take it. Yeah, yeah, take it, take it, take it. Yeah, that's it. That's it, Wanda. That's it, Wanda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wait, by fr- wait till Friday. <laughs> yeah, that's it, sister. That's it. What's her name again? Huh? Vanilla? Vanilla. No. Oh, Carmella. <laughs> now, where are you going? Where are you going, Mom? Jeez, Lord, she's trying to get away. Jesus. <laughs> she's trying to get away, Lord. <laughs> Isn't the Lord good? Never the same. You'll never be the same. Never the same. I'll tell you, the Lord is good. How you doing, Pam? Pam, how you doing? You don't know whether you're happy or sad? I can tell. I can look at you and tell. Come here. No, come here. That's the power of God on you. Yeah, that's the power of God on you. Huh? It's been so long. Never the same. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Never the same. 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 Somebody says, well, why is this? I preached on Jesus being your passion. No, no, I understand. It's what revival is. That's what my wife, it's what we carry. Never the same. I tell you, that's the power of God on you. Come here. Can I pray for you? What's your name, hon? Tony. Oh, you're you're a checklist of all again? Yes, and I have prayed for I was just there. I know, and she's checklist part check. Who's check? She's part uh, check. Oh, she's part check. Oh, there's a baby in the back? He's got some check in him. Well, you know what? I'm going back there in um I'm in the fall to do a big conference. They're, they're, listen, there's they're so hungry for God. I had an interpreter. I just say Jesus. Come, come up here. Don't, don't worry. You don't have to fall. Just lift your hands. You fall forward. Okay. Jesus. Oh yeah, that's it. We goes right in you right now. The fire of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Jesus. Don't worry about falling. Set that anointing, saturate you. I, I, this sister right here, I got a. Right, I'm looking right at you. Not you, behind you. Right, you. Yes, you have to come here. Jesus. Don't worry about it. We'll just. I do the offering tonight. Don't worry about it. Jesus. <laughs> that happens sometimes. I just forget about it. Jesus. Never the same. Never the same. <laughs> Never the same. What's your name? Roseanne. They call me Rose. 
They call you Rose. Or Rose, I tell you, the hand of God's on you. I was just waiting for I saw you earlier. Huh? Okay. We'll just let God have his way. Just let us just. Never the same, Rose. Just receive right now. The moment I lay my hand upon you, the power of God's going to grow out in you. Just take it. Ready? Jesus. Whew, yeah. The fire of the Holy Ghost. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Take it, take it, take it. It goes right in you. Yeah. Never the same, Rose. Never the same, Rose. Never the same rose. Never the same rose. Yeah, never the same. Jesus. That's it. That's the power of God. Yeah, yeah. That's the power of God. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, Rafa Sifre Boruste Calavrange. Oh, Rasikele Brobosun, the Rubasavristicamonjotai. Look at that. Now you, got, now you got mom and daughter just hugging each other now. That's what happens. That's what happens. <laughs> Look at them just all hugging, all cuddling with each other. Right? You know, that's what drunks do. <laughs> Never the same, Rose. Never the same, Rose. Never the same, Rose. Never the same, Rose. <laughs> Never the same, Rose. Yeah, 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 yeah. Never the same rose. <laughs> Shoo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. 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 That's it. Drunk rose. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Drunk rose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, drunk rose. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, I can tell Rose is a good drinker. Uh, gee, oh, yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah, that's it, Rose. Never the same Rose. Oh yeah, never the same Rose. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, never the same Rose. <laughs> yeah. Never the same. <laughs> yeah. Some people say, well, what's happening? What's what Pentecost is? Yeah. That's Pentecost. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh. She's all right. She's okay. Hey, hey, hey. She's fine, buddy. She's fine. Is this your mom? Who is this? She's fine. Trust me. I'm a doctor. Trust me. She's fine. <laughs> She's just ha having 
It's called being filled with the Holy Ghost. That's what's happening. You're full of the devil. happens all the time. Don't worry. <laughs> it's okay, buddy. Really. <laughs> it's all good, church. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Is this your wife, sir? The Lord's touching her in a mighty way. It's okay. The Lord is good. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. Ma'am, she's fine. She's fine. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands. Father, we worship you. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we thank you. We worship you, Jesus. Lord, we worship you. We thank you for your touch, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your touch. Lord, we thank you for your touch. Lord, we thank you for your touch, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. Lord, with all of our hearts, Lord, we thank you. Lord, you've been so good to us all the days of our life. Lord, we thank you. 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 We worship you, Jesus. Lord, we worship you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Isn't the Lord good? Yeah. How many just sense his presence right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what? Here's the, here's, each night, I tell you, it gets increases. Every night, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger every night. <clears throat> How many of you know people that need this? Raise your hand. Get them to these meetings. The religious people, forget about it. They, don't, they won't want them. But people that are hungry, people that are sick, people that, sister, sister Rose, you'll never be the same. No, you'll never be the same. That's the hand of God all over you. You're never going to be the same. Never the same. So, Lord, touching your wife, she'll never be the same. What's happening, Rose? Come, come here. What's, what's, what's God doing? What's happening with you? <laughs> I don't know. I've never laughed like that. You've never laughed like that? I've never done that before. you never, you never done that before? No. <laughs> Let me ask you, is it good? Yeah. <laughs> Here, turn around. So, do you recommend it for those that are here? If, I guess I don't know. <laughs> so, let me. Did you feel something like in, in here happening? Yeah, I was making me laugh like a gas. Yeah, because out of your belly flows rivers of living water. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, we'll focus. Forget about everything else. We focus on you this week. And you'll never be the same. 
You'll, God. you'll never be the same. God. Never be the same. I'll never be the same. No, you'll never be the same. Never be the same. Never be the same. And God's going to touch you and your son and your husband and all your family. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. See, here's the thing. You can't make this up. You can't make it up. But you know, the world's crying out for reality. They're tired of religion. Listen to me. The world's tired of religion. That's why, that's why, that's why 400 churches are closing down a month in America. They're tired of religion. Religion doesn't work. People want reality. And you only find reality... And in the presence of the Lord. You only find reality where God's present. And that's what you, happened with you today. You're saying we got tonight? I've cried for so many years all the time. Since I was a little girl, I always cried because I was raised in church. Oh, you was raised in church? Yeah. My father was a pastor, but he was a strict dad. So I always hold and ask Jesus to give me peace and love when I felt unloved, even as a, an adult. So I deal with depression so usually when i pray and i get prayed for i cry still even when i'm in the altar so it's like the first time i laughed (laughs) (laughs) because that depression's gone from you no more depression no more depression no more depression no more depression (laughs) no more depression no more depression. Let's <laughs> praise the Lord. Isn't the Lord good? Hallelujah. Thank you, Rose. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, we got tonight, six o'clock, right? Don't forget tonight. What? We got tonight, six o'clock. And uh, get on the telephones. Bring those that you know that need to touch from heaven. How many know people that need this? Get on the phones. Tell them. Say, look, revival's here. Come. I promise you, come. Amen. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you tonight, 6 o'clock. Hallelujah. Amen. There are refreshments downstairs. Make sure to pick up. If you have left your belongings here, make sure and pick those up with you. Stand to our feet. Lord, as we go, we thank you for that touch of you upon our lives right now. And we thank you, Lord, that we can... As New Testament believers, take this out to the world around us from this place and touch the world, Father God. We thank you tonight, Father God, for the impact of your presence in our lives going with us wherever we go. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for that. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. We love you. Tonight, 6 o'clock, 5.30, pre-service prayer. We love you. Don't forget about... The, uh, there's refreshments downstairs. They have their uh, CD and DVD table in the back. Also, the other tracks and different things downstairs. Go in the joy of the Lord. Amen.